2: So, Anya, what did we just watch and why?
1: We just watched Friday the 13th, the series, specifically the episode Tales of the Undead that originally aired January 25th, 1988.
2: And why? 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 Why?
1: Why? why That's did what we, I've been asking. Why myself? did we do this? And the reason is, friend of the show great guy, Dr. Glenn Doyle,
2: a professional As, man.
1: A professional man with taste and you know, a distinguished man.
2: Man people turn to for uh, advice on how to lead their lives.
1: And he for some reason listens to us jackasses to ramble about stuff, so he 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 remembered the show from way back wanted to see our take on it, so we watched an episode recently and I hope I Thank you for your recommendation. Also, if you want to recommend uh, any show to us that has just sort of a whiff of mystery, it doesn't have to be... Uh, we're, not, we're not super picky about our genre stuff. Please don't hesitate to send an email to, mystery to me podcast at gmail.com.
2: So, and the catch is you have to let us be mad at you afterwards.
1: Yeah, you got to own up to this, Glenn, because what the hell? <laughs> this was ridiculous. Okay, so the, uh,
2: now... When I first heard, when he first mentioned the show, I, I'd i never heard of it. State of Blissful Ignorance. And I assumed that it was based, it, since it was called Friday the 13th, it had something to do with the well-known movie franchise, which involves a serial killer named Jason.
1: Jason, with the with the hockey mask, of hockey mask fame.
2: Of hockey mask fame. But no, the, even though it shares a title with the movie, has nothing to do with the movies.
1: Yeah, a uh, branding disaster, right? A branding disaster on their part. But uh, Glenn did tell us that when, when he first told us about it. So you, you may have blacked that do you, out.
2: <laughs> do you want me to explain the premise? Do you want to explain I'm the gonna premise? I'm going to explain the premise. Should we call up Glenn and have him explain the premise? No, no,
1: no. I'll explain the premise. I actually dug the premise, and I'll tell you why. So it's these two cousins... Uh, by marriage they're not actually related so any of the kind of flirtatiousness uh is uh is explained away
2: yeah there's cousins on the show who have a flirtatious relationship have you had a flirtatious relationship with any of your cousins
1: no how about no, you
2: no kissing cousins situation
1: how about you babe
2: no i saw the movie kissing cousins with elvis presley
1: f- i that sounds very cursed so let's just avoid that.
2: <laughs> Elvis plays a double role in that movie.
1: Speaking of cursed objects this this show is about basically these two cousins who inherit a antique shop all the items are cursed by the devil. their relative has been dragged to hell already and sold all these items that are cursed but they'll they'll give the holder the the, the owner basically some sort of magical abilities so people use them even though they all have some like really awful catch of you know hurting people and they basically have to m- m- work in retail now I guess and also uh, scan the newspapers for incidents that may be related to their cursed merchandise and uh, they have to uh, you know reobtain those items and destroy them before more people get hurt essentially is, is the premise.
2: So I, they're doing that out of the goodness of their heart because they have a guilty conscience?
1: Yeah, I guess it's like, I mean, like, uh, antiquing can be pretty fun, you know. And this is why I like it. I love a good antique. Uh, you know, you know me. I love to go to the antique malls around here and get, get random So you were
2: shit. hoping for, like, a, kind of like a cozy mystery feel, only with cursed objects and Satan.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like did some demonic shit in there. You know, get that, get that, yeah. I, I think that's what I was sort of hoping for.
2: It, so like an Angela Lansbury murder she wrote only with the devil. Yeah.
1: I dig that. And antiques, of course. You know, get them appraised. Maybe antiques roadshow comes to town. I, I I would watch that. But this is a lot, but, but lot more 80s cheese than all that.
2: And also uh, imagine that in terms of a budget that uh, – Murder, She Wrote would be like Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and this would be like a high school production of Babylon 5. (laughs) Jesus
1: Christ. Lots of very dark rooms. (laughs) People today complain incessantly about movies being shot like very darkly where you can't really see stuff going on to like make the CGI look more realistic or something. This has almost that feel, except there's no CGI and no explanation of... And also, we picked an episode uh, that sort of, I think, maybe incited more anger from you, Kevin, because the subject is near and dear to your heart.
2: What, antiquing?
1: No. No, they're all about antiquing, Kevin. This one...
2: Inappropriate relationships between cousins?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, of course. A topic that you deeply... uh... Have become deeply committed to ever since watching that Elvis Presley movie that I'm not gonna ask about.
2: Do you want to talk about it? No, okay, I it's t- like a Patty Duke show situation, only it's identical cousins with Elvis. So he plays a double role.
1: So he's he's kissing his male cousin who he's
2: identical to? Is he like
1: a narcissist? It's
2: not slash fiction. What are you talking about?
1: Oh god forbid. Oh what what that that's that's bad? That that's more that's worse than them being straight cousins who are making out? Homophobic much?
2: So you'd like to see a movie where Elvis makes out with himself. Kevin, I didn't want to have
1: this conversation. (laughs) I was trying to swerve around the Elvis cousin movie. (laughs) And you're just, you're just gramming into it.
2: We have to talk about it sometime. If you're not ready for it today, save it for the next episode. It has to happen. I think we
1: need a therapy session with Dr. Glenn after this. (laughs) Talk through this awful Elvis movie that I'd never heard about before this conversation.
2: We've never talked about Kiss and Cousins. No, we. Thank God, no. What about Kid Galahad? Clam bake. I don't, no. It happened at the World's Fair. Oh God, girls, girls, girls. Are you having a... Paradise Hawaiian style?
1: Are you having a stroke? Is something going wrong with
2: Love you? Me Tender, King Creole? Oh God. But maybe we should get back to the show. Maybe
1: you should lie down.
2: It's been a long week.
1: <laughs> God. All this Elvis shit's just up there in your head. <laughs> you, yeah. the man I married. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. You used to dress up like Elvis when you were a little boy. No, I know that. I know that. What? Did, didn't your mom say that? No. I thought you like came in like you do like an Elvis dance or something. No.
2: <laughs> Did I just Where like is this coming Make that
1: up. I don't know. I thought someone told me that.
2: This is a shocking <laughs> glimpse into your fantasy life. I, we shouldn't be telling people about with, what you.
1: <laughs> you were obsessed with Elvis, though, as a kid.
2: I never dressed up as him. Well, I mean, and danced I. Oh, like God, him. that's
1: so crazy. Oh. Given some of the things you dressed up as. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, okay. So so the <laughs>
2: the cursed object in this episode is a uh, comic book
1: that's 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 something that you have a lot of interest in comic books. yes uh, you even sort of do some work in the comic book industry.
2: I, are you talking about the comic book I draw about you?
1: <laughs> yes, of course.
2: Catalonia. <laughs>
1: Yes, I'm a in, in, Wonder a, Kane I'm in a I'm a I'm a Celtic a Celtic goddess who comes to life in modern day New York and uses my powers for uh, for just to solve crimes I guess although I get Anya's powers would basically be communicating with you know people you know, or like you know supernatural entities and also making people fall in love so I don't really know how that would help with crime I, I
2: think maybe you Cattle, are,
1: I could I could bring cows in
2: I think you're a cop. And your partner is more streetwise than you, maybe oh. on the verge of retirement. And your cop's name is Abel.
1: Oh, Cain and Abel. So, yeah. Is the big twist at the end of the first run that I kill Abel. <laughs> Spoilers. Sorry, everyone. I didn't mean to ruin it. This fictional comic book that you're drawing of me. <laughs> It's
2: not fictional. It's your Christmas present. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> I had a guy. Okay, there was a guy in my creative writing class one year. That's it was it, it, basically I his his last name was Abel. My last name is Cain, spelt, spelt in the biblical fashion C A I N. And I made some comment. I don't I don't remember what I I don't remember what I said to him exactly. But I made some going like Oh Cain and Abel. And he just looked at me, did like, not smile at all.
2: That's kind of the appropriate response.
1: I thought it was funny. I get that reaction a lot with people. (laughs) People are looking at me like, get the fuck away from me. (laughs) I have that effect on a lot of men. (laughs) Kevin's one of the brave ones.
2: (laughs) So the the episode uh, actually opens up in a comic book store. or, Or rather, a very cheap simulation of a comic book store. Uh, And Anya noticed, obviously, that it was shot in 1988 because one of the books in the background was uh, a book commemorating Superman's 50th anniversary, which she happens to have in her library.
1: Crickets.
2: (laughs) It's your library now, too.
1: (laughs) One of Kevin's big gags for reasons... That we can't begin to fathom is that he'll say that his interests are my interests, and that I'm a big geek about stuff. You, he's you a big
2: own the book about. now too. It's our book. I, I, it's
1: a it's communal property, but <laughs> it's, you're, you're the one who brought it in here.
2: Yes, I I, I bought it in 1988, <laughs> the year this was filmed. You
1: could have you you were probably one of the the kids in the background of this. <laughs> you could have been a comic book guy number two in the store. You missed your big break.
2: Uh, And, like, there's a guy shoplifting in the store or something, and, and to shoplift the comic books, he's, like, rolling them up and damaging them.
1: Many a tear of rage welled into Kevin's eyes as he saw this.
2: And then he notes that in a special display case is a very rare comic book. Mm-hmm. Which is actually it turns out to be the demonic comic book. Why don't you tell us about that?
1: Okay, so it's like a horror comic from back in the day. Very popular character uh, named <laughs> something. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to where the fuck? Oh, named Ferris the Invincible. I guess it's some kind of dark take on Ferris Bueller or something. Uh, no, no, folks. It's just it's like a knight, it, like a like a kind of a person in knight's armor going around just smashing people. You kind of get the sense it's maybe like a Conan the Barbarian sort of thing. I don't know. I, I don't really know comics. But anyway, it's like a really bloody comic. Oh, it's so edgy, dark and gritty. And, uh... Basically, if you get this comic book, this rare comic book, with- well, don't don't get too far. Oh, ahead of oh, our I'm stuff. sorry. Oh, we don't want right
2: to be- at this point? It's just it's just a rare. It's comic just a book.
1: comic book. Whatever. And it,
2: it's supposed to be very rare and valuable, and everybody who sees it, like, oh my god. Has there I've ever never been even-
1: like a comic book? I mean, I don't, I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean to bring down the mood, but I will because that's what I do. Has there ever been like a comic book like heist or like murder or something where people have stolen like rare comic books from each other in a? violent way or is it a pretty chill community
2: i can't think of any murders off the top of my head related to comic book collections there's certainly been comic book collections that were uh, acquired through questionable means there was one comic book collection that was uh, actually seized by the irs because the owner didn't pay taxes on it and so that got the irs collection pedigree and you could buy issues from that collection with a little certificates in them saying it was from the IRS collection.
1: Jesus. Um, so, <laughs> okay, but no, no murders.
2: And so, while the, so the shoplifter is, like, salivating over this rare comic book, and, and then uh, one of our protagonists comes in to get his weekly comic books, and he says, I'm really excited to buy these comic books from you. I'm going to take them home and read them. And then there's a great business model for me. I'm going to sell them in my own store, in my antique store, my store where people come to buy antique items. They will also pay cover price for recent issues of popular publications.
1: He's a retail genius! I'm just saying
2: that makes no sense.
1: (laughs) He's just thinking too big for you, Kevin. It's a galaxy
2: brain. (laughs) So it's like if I want to buy a copy of this month's Superman or go down to my neighborhood antique mall and buy a copy that the owner just bought the week before and read? It's all wrinkled. I, wouldn't I like go to a comic book store or a newsstand?
1: I, I, it, it doesn't make good business sense. But then again, this guy decided, hey, I've just inherited a shop that I know is connected with Satan and I'm just going to... I'm gonna roll with it. I'm gonna try to. I, I don't. They can't. I mean, okay. And listen, we've just watched one episode of this show so far, so this is the only one we've watched. But it, it raises so many questions of like, uh, do do like are they able to make any money on the store? Do they have to still pay taxes if they can't sell many? Like, let's say it's not all the items are cursed, but if they can't sell a, a huge swath of their merchandise, you know that that raises all sorts of questions about like how they're able to afford keeping this open. I mean these people these I mean these people are not only going to potentially get dragged down to hell, they're going to like have to file for fucking chapter 11 bankruptcy at some point. It's just crazy. So so you're
2: suggesting that perhaps the only thing keeping them alive is maybe they buy the comic books, the current issues of the comic books for cover price and then mark them up?
1: Yeah, may- maybe maybe to people who don't understand Buying comic book? So, so
2: that'd be like if, you know, we need uh, some new sets of uh, dinnerware. So let's go down to the fire station and maybe buy some dinnerware there for like twice the price we get it at uh, Target. I don't
1: know. It doesn't make it would make more sense if they were having people come in and like, you, you know, utilize the space in within the antique shop as like a like a haunted house party rave situation, like a haunted house for Halloween, you know, like making making use of it, the real estate. It, it, I don't understand their business model. I don't approve of their business model. I'm also, worried. No,
2: you know, let's say you and I, a relative of ours, probably your side of the family, oh. dies and we inherit a cursed business <laughs> where every object is somehow related to the devil. Wouldn't our first move be where we say, Oh, let's keep this business going? Gotta keep it going. Family business. Or would we like go to a church, get some help?
1: Yeah, talk to a priest or something, guys. I mean, or something, whatever faith, you know, just maybe have a cup, maybe have an interfaith council come in and sort of like look at stuff and be like, How can we? Why this take shit? all this on yourself? I know they're just a couple of twenty-something-year-old cousins who are not biologically related, so don't worry about the flirting. So, and then I think eventually I'm worried about the flirting. You know, blood's not even. You've already watched the Elvis movie. You know, you know how this stuff can happen.
2: <laughs> Is this why they're not going to the church? Because they know that they know what the priests are going to say about the flirting.
1: Yeah, they're going to be like, "You kids."
2: The church lives with this kind of stuff. Jeez. The church is powerful. They've got lots of people. They could send in squads of priests. Take care of all this in like a day.
1: Just Haul it all off to the uh, place where the Ark of the Covenant is buried or something. I guess that's the U.S. government. But anyways, they're also mentioning that they, I think they have like a mentor figure named Jack. Because they mentioned him. We didn't see him in this episode. But he's he's allegedly, I don't know whether he's like a business mentor. I'm, I'm assuming he's also helping with the supernatural entities. He seems to be running the show. And you know what? Maybe it's too much for three people. Maybe consult somebody else, too, because, you know, I mean, also items, clearly a lot of items are just still out there, right? And
2: you need help tracking it yeah.
1: down. Guys,
2: it's the, the church th- would be glad to help out.
1: You're doing a whole advertisement for the Catholic Church. Do I, am I wrong? The Catholic Church. We've made a few changes. <laughs> i i yeah i mean i i think you need you need some you need some institutional heft behind a problem of this magnitude
2: you're doing a disservice to the community by trying to handle it all yourself i think so it's arrogance
1: and bad business sense guys that real, they might be able if they get if they get the fucking curse object thing uh, out of their hair, they could potentially flip the real estate for a nice price. The priest
2: could come in, exercise the hell out of the place, literally, and you can re, you can resell it, or you can like donate it to the church, take out a little bit of a tax write off,
1: and move on with your life. I like that. They get a nice little lump sum. Then yeah, okay. I mean, I I think that would make more sense. I think they're taking on too much. That's often. I think that happens when people get excited about, like, oh, I'm going to inherit the family business and you don't know how to run things. And also, frankly, your uncle, cousin, whatever the hell you inherited it from, obviously didn't know how to run things if he was literally making deals with the devil. Never going to end well. You know that. I mean, you know, I know that, that going from in. the devil
2: went down to Georgia. Yeah.
1: We exactly. play a
2: fiddle contest with the devil. You're pretty cocky. I don't even know what I'm what saying happened. anymore.
1: Kevin's just having a fever or something. His words are just coming out of his mouth.
2: (laughs) So this, this comic is very, very rare and everybody acts like it's amazing to even see it at all. And so it's hard for me to think of a comic that would have that kind of a evoke that kind of reaction from people. There's certainly rare comics. I don't think it's, if, you, if you're interested in seeing them, it's possible to go places and see them. I've seen a lot of rare comics. What's the second.
1: rarest one?
2: Uh, The most valuable comic I've ever seen in person would probably be Action Comics, number one, the first appearance of Superman. There's certainly comics that have fewer.
1: How much was it? How much does it go for now?
2: Uh, Let's look it up. It's certainly one of the most valuable comics out there. Uh, I would say also Detective 27, Amazing Fantasy 15.
1: Is that one the Batman one, the, the detective?
2: Hold oh, on, uh, yeah. I don't De- know this shit. Detective Comics 27, Batman.
1: That's what I said. You said
2: Spider-Man, didn't you?
1: I said Batman. Oh, they
2: said Amazing Fantasy. Play the tape,
1: folks. I said Batman. I
2: thought you said Spider-Man. In any case, Detective Fucking Comics.
1: Fucking rude. Oh, Anya. Kevin said tipping his fedora. Milady, What a fake geek girl. <laughs> Kevin's a gatekeeper, guys.
2: Here's a story from uh, April of 2021. Uh, Action Comics privately sells for... Why don't you guess? How much do you think the most, the first ever appearances Superman would sell for?
1: quarter of a million
2: are, are you like trying to annoy me here are you trying to piss me off by by guessing low is that is, that, is this a bit <laughs> be serious maybe
1: i just don't think they're that worth that much uh
2: first half ever... a
1: million a million. Two million.
2: the first appearance of superman two
1: million dollars no 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 do i go up yeah five million
2: now you're being ridiculous. It's three point two five million. God,
1: Jesus Christ! Are these that rare?
2: It's the first appearance of Superman.
1: Well, if I saw something that was worth three million dollars behind glass at some like shitty comic book store, I'd probably be pretty struck by it too.
2: But in in the course of the story, it's like the they say, oh, we think the first uh, appearance of this character in is going to sell for like twenty thousand dollars.
1: Peanuts, chump change. Kevin said.
2: Go out uh, on a road and just stare at the road. I'm sure you're going to see cars drive by worth more than $20,000. And if you only want to see a $20,000 comic, go to any convention. It's not Somebody a
1: offered myth. Kevin $25,000. He spat on the ground, punched the guy in the face.
2: Wouldn't you pay $25,000 for even sad sack number oh, one? Oh,
1: God. Oh, God. No.
2: <laughs> it's quite a comic.
1: Please tell me that it's not that expensive.
2: Sad sack number one. Yeah. No, it's not oh, that expensive. Oh Jesus,
1: fucking, gave me a heart attack.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't pay twenty five thousand dollars for Sad sack number one.
1: Remortgage the house for Sad sack number one. <laughs> we already own it. We had to sell Lanny. <laughs> so
2: Jeez. everybody's salivating over this comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? This turns out this particular comic also is cursed. What is the curse of the comic? The
1: curse of the comic is that the person who owns the comic, I guess, when they're holding the comic and they wish really hard, I, I don't know how you they become look.
2: a bit of an asshole.
1: You become actually Ferris, the night guy who is the ba- you know, who's a bad guy, and he, I guess, is super strong and basically indestructible. So you become this creature. Uh, and, and he, you know, you can go on a rampage and kill people, I guess.
2: Can you describe what Ferris looks like?
1: He's he's like, he's like, imagine a knight, right? Like a knight, a medieval knight in shining armor, you know, with the black armor kind of hulking around, big guy.
2: So it sounds like you were a little bit more impressed with Ferris than I was. To me, it looked like. Uh, A kid in junior high, his parents had gotten a couple of things, like maybe a TV or a bookshelf that came in big cardboard boxes. And the kid took the cardboard, painted it black, and put it on and said, I'm a knight.
1: You seem to have a lot of experience in this matter, babe. (laughs)
2: But, but you were impressed with the The outfit. time
1: Kevin got thrown in the dumpster by a group of, <laughs> group of local bullies in his night outfit.
2: <laughs> I never dressed as Elvis, never dressed, ever. Yeah, that's night. what
1: you want people to believe.
2: I only dressed as you know, Elvis Kevin, you g- asked me to. We're supposed
1: to talk about fictional stories, not tell them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're having fun over there. <laughs>
1: no, I'm laughing because you're implying that I wanted you to dress up as Elvis. Why else would I? Oh my god. Um, and so the uh, so the, this night, this Ferris comes alive, strangles the comic book owner. No, I'm sorry, strangles the comic book store owner who I guess also owns the comic book. And uh, in order to, you know, so let me let me let me zoom back around this weird kid who's been hanging out in the comic book shop without buying anything is salivating over this rare comic book that the comic book store owner refuses to sell to him, smashes and grabs it, smashes the glass, grabs the comic, then turns into a knight, then strangles the comic book store owner and then punches Ryan, who is the, one of the cousins who owns the, the antique shop in the face and, and marches out of there. Has, has that ever happened to you when you've been shopping to, for comic books?
2: Uh, there were often people in comic book stores who can't afford anything and just kind of uh, hang out and say, oh, that would be nice to have. So that part was realistic.
1: <laughs> Jeez, that's sad. Eh, it's life. <laughs> it's life, folks. Sometimes you're sometimes you're turning into a big knight in a cardboard suit in a store, and then sometimes you just can't afford anything, and you have to schlep around looking awkward.
2: a. There's a lot of people sometimes who just go to a comic book store and just flip through the new releases and read them without buying them.
1: Have you ever seen a comic book character come to life in a comic book store? I, I was thinking the the nice version of this episode with Kevin in it, Superman would come to life and he would pick you up and just fly off into the night. <laughs> well, Into the Night by Benny Mardone is played in the background.
2: <laughs> Only time uh, I saw a comic book character come to life in a comic book store was when we went to a comic book store and I saw Wonder Woman come to life when I saw you.
1: Aw, that's that's really sweet. I thought you were going to talk about the time you saw Riker in public.
2: Oh. (laughs) So when I was a little kid, uh, way back in the day, uh, Marvel sent people dressed up as Spider Man and Captain America come and make appearances at stores uh, to give comics to children. And I was a DC comics fan, not a Marvel fan.
1: So Kevin spat at them.
2: But I said, well, it's free comics. So I went to one of these events and saw the fake Spider Man, saw the fake captain america and i was very unhappy because these people in outfits actually got big black magic markers and on the front cover of the comic books they would write captain america (laughs) or spider-man and then look look son now you have an autographed copy of spider-man actually signed by spider-man how cool what a collector's items and this this happened It was like four or five. And like, even then I said, this just insults my intelligence.
1: For all the kids with imaginations, it was a great day. <laughs> Kevin was like, Jesus Christ, you've killed the resale value on this. It was
2: very upsetting. And it was like, you, you want me, you think I'm dumb enough to believe Spider-Man and Captain America are real.
1: And they're in Columbus, Indiana. They come
2: to Columbus, Indiana to do this. <laughs> I was very upset, and then years later I find out that the person who was in the Captain America outfit that day was uh, the guy who later played Will Riker on Star Trek The Next Generation. What's his name? Jonathan Frakes.
1: Don, yeah. Now, now a well-known meme as well.
2: So then he, uh, after this incident occurs, our cousin hero goes back and chats with...
1: The cousin heroine. The
2: cousin heroine. Who makes some? She makes some snotty comments about comics, much as Anya has done here today.
1: Mickey, I'm letting my inner Mickey fly.
2: And then we also get some exposition where it is revealed that the the artist who created this character, Ferris the Invincible, uh, is mysterious. No one knows where he is. He kind of vanished presumably died in poverty and obscurity and they said well let's look him up in the phone book and it's like he lives just around the corner
1: i mean but the, the the aspect of a comic book industry you know like firm stealing essentially stealing uh the creation of a of a creative person who you know comes up with the character does the original art and then that person ends up sort of getting the short end of the stick and making no money off of their very popular creation. That is something that is unfortunately realistic. And we can
2: talk about that, but I just want to highlight this person is supposed to have died in poverty and obscurity. It's supposed to be a big mystery. And and people
1: are, like, obsessed with him. People are like, he's the greatest, you know. And
2: they find him literally in moments, living in a very nice house.
1: (laughs) Apparently a few minutes away.
2: But, yeah, most of uh, the comic book characters that uh, make millions in in, uh, movies today were basically uh, stolen from uh, their creators and the people who did the creative work never got the uh, credit or the financial compensation to which they were entitled
1: capitalism baby yes um, but anyway, they find this guy, uh, they... He lives in
2: a very nice house, even though ostensibly he, he, uh, died in poverty. Lives in a
1: nice house, that becomes important later. Uh, and
2: yeah. he also has a caregiver.
1: Yeah, he has a caregiver, apparently has awards that you said didn't exist until the 1960s.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, this comic book supposedly came out in the late 40s, and this artist tells the male cousin when he comes to visit... I got the comic industry award for this, and I thought this would be a big springboard for me to make more money or whatever. And so that's ludicrous on multiple levels. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, the co- awards for comics didn't really start in the 1960s with maybe the Alley Awards, and that was primarily given by fans. And they didn't really buy you any credibility in the industry, and the way to make money as an artist was not to do comic books. It was to go into advertising.
1: Madmen, baby,
2: or perhaps comic strips. So it just—it just was ludicrous. He was a
1: fool. J Star. J Star is the name of the old man comic book artist played
2: by uh, your favorite Martian uh, Ray Walston.
1: Oh, yeah, I know what that is. (laughs) Definitely know what that is. (laughs)
2: and he also in the course of this reveals uh when i did these stories back in the days i i did some scenes that got censored because they were too hot to print and that they're on pages downstairs in my uh basement Mm. and if an artist who was very popular and iconic did scenes from stories in his prime those would be worth
1: A ton of money. A ton of money. Yeah.
2: He also said he, in his prime, did a story about the death of his character, which the company never printed. And if the iconic artist who created a character did a story about the death of that character, I can't imagine why a company wouldn't print that. you could print it out of normal continuity, just that here's how one person imagined the end of it, and you would make a mint.
1: Right, they. I mean, they all, all of the uh, big, big companies did that frequently with their popular characters.
2: If Steve Ditko did a story, the death of Spider-Man, Marvel would print it. If Jack Kirby did a story, the death of the Fantastic Four, Marvel would print it. And also, these men—they made their money based on how many publishable pages they turned out? Why would they spend time drawing scenes they knew would never get printed because they were too hot to print?
0: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you
1: love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. And the best part, you can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. It, it raises a lot of questions. And also, what what the other thing that raises questions is they actually have, so they're attempting to sort of fit the style of like a comic book drawing in in, within the episode so you like have a scene freeze freeze frame on somebody and then it'll turn into like a comic book version of that scene and and i actually think that's kind of a cute idea because like i like it when sort of the like the storytelling matches the the content but these are so badly drawn these are like uncanny valley badly drawn and uh they they like they're always the most boring scene it, it, and
2: also they don't understand panel to panel progression how it works on a page
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? they were, like, going backwards at one point, right?
2: You're, you, like, on a, let's say you have six panels on a comic book page, maybe in three rows of two. You'd go left, right. Then you'd go down to the next row, start at the beginning, go left, right. Go down to the third row, left, right. But here would go left, right, down, right, down, right. Which, if you can't visualize just trust me, it's dumb.
1: Also dumb, or at least uh, maybe dumb is the wrong word, maybe just kind of ominous, is when uh, J-Star is informed that his creation, Ferris, has come to life, he just starts randomly cackling like it's the most hilarious thing he's ever heard, and Ryan's kind of like, all right, <laughs> and then leaves. So we know that this J-Star guy is uh, maybe a little bit, little bit batty.
2: Do we? Because if somebody came into your house who you never met had no reason to judge whether or not they were a credible reporter come to you and say you know anya remember that story you wrote when you were in high school about a wacky character guess what that wacky character has come to life
1: the Beatles have come to life <laughs> well two of them well, are still alive so wouldn't you
2: like laugh in their face and send them on their way
1: Listen, I mean, I I get what you're saying, Kevin, but this is Friday the 13th and things are going to happen later in this story that make, uh, make J star look a little bit less uh, of a credible figure. Uh, the thing I wanted to ask you though, who would be your nightmare? If I, if I came running up to you and told you, Kevin, there's been a terrible accident at comic book university, you know, uh, on the South side of Indy, what, what, you know, the, a character has come to life and he's rampaging. Who would be your like worst case scenario for that character?
2: Now, you mean the character that would do the most harm, or oh. the character that I would l- least like to see, or what?
1: How about you give me one for each? <laughs> do the most harm, and then you would just be irritated by.
2: What I'd be most irritated by would be probably be uh, Sad Sack's friend, Slob Slobinsky. <laughs>
1: Tell me about, why is that? I, you love sad sack.
2: I get the idea Slob Slabinski doesn't have the best personal hygiene in the world.
1: See, he'd just be stinking up the joint, literally.
2: Yeah, you, you wouldn't want that.
1: No, just a, so he's a soldier? Yeah. Are you criticizing a veteran? <laughs> you want to hang out with Slob Slabinski? His name sounds, yeah, Slob, that's, so he he's the one you'd be annoyed by.
2: And then in terms of doing most harm, do you, do you mean like violence or just like most societal harm? Like if Lex Luthor comes to life, he could probably just come and maybe found a major corporation that uh, dominates the retail world and crushes all of its competitors.
1: D- didn't you? Oh. oh, no. <laughs> uh.
2: Oh,
1: jeez! I think that might have already
2: happened. Oh, no. Maybe we should move on. Uh. Which comic book characters would you most uh, fear?
1: Um, I guess I don't think I know enough about comic books to really give it give it like a damage report. Uh, in who's I guess whoever whoever is the meanest and most powerful villain would probably be like the Joker. Like when you think about the Joker, he's just like a jackass who like he thinks small. He's not going to conquer the world. He's maybe going to like rob a bank, as far as I understand it. So, like, I feel like you want, you, you would be more concerning, like, a
2: big, and, big guy. And your, your knowledge of the Joker is primarily based on the 1960s TV show? And
1: the two Scooby-Doo uh, episodes. I, I think it's a stupid character. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every, now he's always, like, this edgelord. Everyone's, oh, the Joker. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, I can't respect that. It's a Clown.
2: <laughs> okay, let, let's then expand the playing field. Which character, in all of literature or art, would you most be unhappy about coming to life in a comic book store?
1: Is it a comic book character? Doesn't it doesn't have
2: to be. Any character. Has to come alive in a comic book store. But doesn't have to be a comic book character.
1: Anything with like a big spider. Uh, she lobbed from uh, Lord of the Rings. I don't like spiders. They freak me out. And that's a big spider. And I just... I would say pass on that. Don't want them getting out there and doing whatever they do.
2: Okay, I, I'll take you. I've, I've never read Lord of the Rings, so yeah, I'm not familiar be, with
1: that, that character. That would be that. that, that mm, get them. Get them out. And then, you know, I don't, like, it wouldn't. I? I <sighs> scary characters. A- any of the characters from Glee, honestly, they're just awful awful characters, awful people. You wouldn't want them getting out and singing it, you know, just mm. Glee or Shelob. That that would be my pick for ones I wouldn't want to come to life. Who would be like the super villain that would be most damaging to the world though? Would it be Lex Luthor?
2: In a, a real-world situation, the most damaging villain would be someone who's who's intelligent and whose villainy isn't most apparent at first like someone goes and rob us a bank uh goes and commits a major crime they're yeah. revealing themselves so you'd want somebody who can operate uh behind the scenes and who's smart so probably luther
1: but like also like like i mean i i know you're gonna be like oh, but like maybe like thanos can kind of like end the world right or he can kind of like you know erase a lot of people
2: well thanos is a poor man's uh dark seat
1: yeah they ripped Jack Kirby off for that one, right? In my opinion. So kind of continuing the tradition here, though. The, so the, the episode's saying some realistic things, maybe not getting everything right, though. Uh, and basically, as it goes on, it's basically Ryan and Mickey running around trying to stop Ferris. And meanwhile, Jay Starr, the creator of Ferris.
2: Who you know best is Judge Bone.
1: Of course. Definitely know who that is.
2: Ray Walfston.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's going around and, and sort of trying to get his hands on the comic book so he can become Ferris because he has a few scores to settle, all related to comic book industry malfeasance. Yes. And he ends up uh, getting... getting he, he kills the kid who stole the comic book originally, and he starts just going on a killing rampage. He...
2: Well, he wants to kill the current publishers of the comic book, because he feels they stole the character from him and have been enriched by it. And I'd like to note that... Supp- it's a the worker's fi-
1: rights story.
2: Before the episode began, supposedly everybody thought this character had died in obscurity and poverty. But when he shows up at the comic book company's office, they don't seem surprised to see him.
1: <laughs> they're like, yeah, oh, hey, it's oh my
2: god, I thought you were dead. They don't say that. <laughs> they say, oh, hey, Jay, how you doing?
1: I think I like to think that Ryan was just a very uninformed fan who was just trying to sound like he knew what he was talking about. I think that makes the most sense here.
2: And so he goes to the comic book uh, office to, basically to kill the Stanley types. Stanley did some bad stuff.
1: Did he screw over Jack Kirby?
2: He screwed over a lot of people, including Jack Kirby and Steve Dicko. uh,
1: And Kirby's your
2: guy. Kirby's everybody's guy. He's the king. Yeah, and he, Stanley basically uh, manipulated things. So Kirby would come up with all the ideas for the stories, but he would not get any writing credit or writing pay. It would be if I went to you and said, Anya, uh, you know draw me 20 a 26 page story with doctor doom in it and you draw a doctor a, a 20 page story with doctor doom in it and in the margins you write down exactly what is happening in each panel and what the characters are saying and i go through and i put my own dialogue in basically taking your dialogue and then i say well i'm the writer i get the writer's pay yeah, you're just the artist
1: yeah he's he's manipulating the system to to cover himself in glory and screw over the real creatives.
2: And to get uh writers pay that he doesn't deserve.
1: What an asshole. I'm gonna get some Marvel heads coming after us on Twitter. Oh, and I wanna add, apparently in the Friday the the blah, 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 apparently in Friday the thirteenth, the series universe, uh whenever a bunch of people are getting murdered in one area in similar kind of destroyed, wrecked up crime scenes the police are just not on it. <laughs> we had a shopkeeper get murdered in his own store, violently strangled to death with somebody's bare hands. We had, uh, this kid get murdered in his apartment by, uh, this comic book artist, you know, con- you know, all this, all this carnage created by this Ferris, the invincible character. And, and nobody seems to be like, I mean, that would be big news. So just, just pointing that out there. And, and, and also, I want to note that the comic book artist at one point identified himself to the kid with a prescription pill bottle. The kid's like, how am I supposed to believe that you're really J-Star? And he pulls out this prescription bottle. And the kid's like, oh my god. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <coughs>
2: Don't you kind of use that as a press pass yourself?
1: I, I Yeah, I pull out all my, <laughs> all my embarrassing medications and say... Here you go. Here's.
2: (laughs) And I I thought it was an odd choice that. As we've said, in real life, a number of creative comic book people have had their credits stolen and the money they are rightly deserve taken from them. And in real life, they have been victimized. But in this iteration, uh, the people who have been victimized become Jay Starr, who who has become victimized, somehow becomes the villain because he kills the people who victimized him. So suddenly he's the bad guy and we're supposed to feel sorry for the people who harmed him.
1: Yeah, it's always interesting what person... You know, when shows sort of reveal themselves by making one person over the other the bad guy or the good guy, and it's like, you know, I mean i mean as far as i know no comic book artist ever killed anybody over the shit that they had to go through like the, the villains were these big companies and the figures within them who manipulated the system in order to make a shit ton of money while screwing other people over and, and that's the extent of it and like maybe like you know it, it, you know in in the course of a short kind of horror and thought you know kind of you know wacky series like this you're not going to be able to have enough depth to these characters to really tell an interesting story for this so like you know it, it, it people kind of end up taking the moral of like oh well you know those poor those poor uh, company executives
2: yeah i mean if you want to do a story about people who have been victimized by their bosses let's make the people who have been victimized by their bosses sympathetic ones unless make the people who, who victimized them uh, the bad guys and
1: you could do a kind of a horror story with comic books because vampirism within the industry is an actual documented thing so you know the company executives being vampires of some sort you know whether it's supernatural or or whatnot you know you could actually do something with that concept if anyone's looking to do a friday the 13th the series reboot anytime soon
2: and if we've inspired anyone to do that sort of thing, I think we have to pack up right now.
1: We need to put our mics in a field and burn it. I want to watch another one of these. These are wacky. I I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I I I want to see one with like de- the devil in it. I want to see how they handle like the concept of hell. Oh, I, I was wondering. Did 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 the Did Ryan's speech about why he liked comic books because they had heroes in them like Ferris who don't get kicked around, that seemed like a real oversimplification about why people like comic books? No.
2: Yeah, he said he he likes characters who are strong and it seemed like a very... an oversimplification and like the appeal of comics is some, some sort of homoerotic thing. Uh, I I remember the eroticism in comics is certainly something that is turned up a lot. The women are hypersexualized, the men are hypersexualized, but I don't think
1: you all are a bunch of fucking pervs.
2: <laughs> I I remember when I was in college and in my English class, we had to uh, read Beowulf which everyone knows is an awful poem.
1: Never read it.
2: You haven't missed a thing. And as part of our our study of it, the professor said, oh, here's something strange. DC Comics actually did uh, a comic book series based on Beowulf. And he held up one of the covers from Beowulf. And he just stared at it in like silent disgust. And he said, wow, that's really homoerotic, isn't it?
1: I mean, there is kind of, you know, it's in superhero comics, I feel like there is this kind of like, oh, big strong man's going to save us, kind of to a, to a, you know, it sort of seems hard to untangle that from, people can deconstruct it all they want, you know what I mean? But that's what it is.
2: Do you think part of the reason I read comics is because I have a desire to, I'm um, a uh, Clark Kent wanting to be a Superman, wanting to take over and defeat all my enemies?
1: Uh, I don't, I, I think you probably just started reading them when you were a kid and you just got into them. I think you enjoy Superman in particular, cause that's Kevin's fave. Uh, because Superman people think of as like, oh, he's so straight laced and, and like kind of clean cut and he's not like a, you know, he's kind of truth, justice in the American way. But, but I think what appeals to you is that in the background a bunch of really dumb, really bizarre shit is constantly happening and it's just bizarre. And like, you know, people are getting, you know, Jimmy Olsen's getting turned into a Martian or, you know, whatever the fuck is happening half the time. And, and like that, I think appeals to you. The, 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 the oddities of the whole thing.
2: Yeah. I think that's fair.
1: And Superman's constantly getting, you know, humiliated or on the verge of getting humiliated. So it's not like, ultimately, he, he sort of ends up looking like a buffoon half the time. And then, of course, he always prevails in the end. But it's not like he's just kind of this, you know, like everyone respects him. You know, he's, he's either getting humiliated as Clark Kent where people are like, oh, Clark, you're just a fuck-up. Get the fuck out of here, you asshole. Or Superman's getting like, turned green or people have big heads all of a sudden or his friends are betraying him like you know it's 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 an ordeal
2: and supposedly the reason people like comics like the x-men is the x-men is about teenagers who feel different from other people and feel isolated because of that so in that case people are reading it because they associate with the uh weakness and isolation of the characters
1: right so I think there's a lot of reasons why people people like it. But
2: so what's the corollary? Why don't you read comics? Why didn't you ever uh, get it interested?
1: I don't know. It just it always seemed kind of like uh it it Frank may maybe it just seemed like it was for boys or I you know as, as a little girl, I remember I I pointedly didn't like Star Wars because I thought that was for boys. So I was definitely playing up the <laughs> gendered uh, merchandising in our society for some reason. Um, you know, and then, like, I think just, you know, it was like I wanted to read Nancy Drew books. I wanted to read, like, Mysteries and, or you know, Hardy Boys. So, you know, I, I was I was reading books that were more for boys in that sense. But I just, I had, I guess, it's like I, I think I was very much, I, I know what I like. I like to come home and watch Disney movies on VHS. And I like to read Nancy Drew books. And then I like to read a couple of other, you know, things scattered in there. And just comic books weren't a part of that. I wouldn't have even known where to get comics.
2: And you say that, and ironically enough, your father was a comic book collector.
1: Not, I mean, not, he never talked about that, as far as I remember. Uh, it, it, yeah, it just didn't seem like something that... You know, it's, it's weird. Like, I like cartoons. Like, I like watching it was, you know, like, right? So, like, that, you know, the images. But, and I like books, but it's like the kind of in between thing I didn't really just get into.
2: Well, yeah. So, I'm curious why wouldn't, you, if in theory you'd come across comic books with the Disney version of Pocahontas or the Disney version of, of Hunchback or whatever else you were watching, yeah. Would you have enjoyed those?
1: Maybe, you know, uh, <sighs> Watching those, like, animated movies were such a sensory thing, too, because, like, there's songs and there's, like, all this cool animation that's moving in front of your eyes and there's, like, sounds. So, like, I really like that. I think I also thought, like, oh, super, like, like you know, it's like, what am I going to get out of this story? You know, like, like, like Nancy Drew, I know she's going to go in, she's going to solve a fucking mystery going to be some sketchy shit with counterfeiters or whatever the hell like you know you, like i don't think i really knew like what would what would a superman story entail and honestly i probably would have been turned off by all the kind of like crazy shit happening in the background in some of those stories
2: well by the time you would have been old enough to read in comics i think the superman stories were like really heavily serialized and oh. probably would have been hard to get into It'd been different from the ones back in the old days. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't have known how to start either. Like and you know, it's like no one was like, you know, no one was like, "Oh, let me get you into comics," you know. So I was I, like I just that wasn't what I was around, so I just don't think I'd ever really. I mean, I watched the Batman TV show with Adam West and stuff. So it wasn't like I totally I actually watched, uh, you know, the thing is I actually watched the Superman animated series and the and the Batman animated series on Cartoon Network a lot as a kid, especially Batman. And m- most of my knowledge of Batman comes from that show. I really, I love that show. It's kind of spooky. I was like, this is going to be a little more intense than Scooby-Doo.
2: <laughs> so would you have been interested in the comic book version of the uh, cartoon?
1: I they think did such a comic
2: book series in the same style.
1: I, I might have been, but it, I like I wouldn't have thought about that. I would have just yeah. been like, I, this, is a cartoon, this is a cartoon I watch. I, w- I wasn't thinking about it as like a comic book series.
2: But we've wandered far afield.
1: Friday the 13th. I was going to say we should drop it on a Friday the 13th, but there's not one. Gonna, like, there's, it's going to be months away. So we have to. We have to, well, the
2: episodes come out on Mondays.
1: What? Well, I mean, but, you know, we, we dropped one early for Halloween. We dropped one early for James Bond. We're, we're not totally bound to our, you know, our rules here.
2: Dropping one sounds something that's somehow a pejorative way of describing what we do.
1: I was like, we dropping a new album.
2: Dropped <laughs> a load on the people.
1: <laughs> but it's, yeah. We're terrible at what we do in every way. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, I think we've kind of summed up everything. Oh, the the old guy also kills his longtime nursing caregiver because he finds out she's been selling his artwork in order to fund his cushy lifestyle.
2: Oh, and we should say how it it ends. It turns out that this invincible character is weakened whenever he is in the presence of the award that J-Star won. So it's like this hack (laughs) character uh, can be killed and weakened by a sign of artistic excellence.
1: Makes you think.
2: (laughs) And so... uh, J Star ends up getting killed. And... They, they
1: fight Ferris. They fight the old guy. J Star gets killed. And then in the end, they've kind of flipped because now Ryan hates comics, and Mickey's really into comics. She's she's reading them. She's flipping through them and getting into them, even though she was pejorative of them. Is that going to happen with us and Sad Sack? Is 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 Sad Sack going to come to life and cause a bunch of problems in Indianapolis? And then you're going to be like, ah, bah, and I'm just going to be like reading through it obsessively. <laughs> Is this the fate that awaits us? <laughs> <laughs> ah! I knew we shouldn't have taken on your aunt's antique store. <laughs> Kevin's always getting us into these uh, satanic fixes.
2: What's your five-star final take?
1: Shit, I didn't write anything down. Oh, but 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 first, the, the incestuous final note of this episode: Mickey accuses Ryan of giving her a line to seduce her, and then they turn into comics. And it's like they're cousins
2: by marriage, <laughs> kissing
1: cousins. Not to insult any Mickey Ryan shippers out there, but what the fuck?
2: Did you think they had chemistry? Were you hoping for them to get together? If leaving aside from it, let's pretend they weren't cousins, because I know that that's that bothers you. Do you think these kids had chemistry? Would you have liked to have seen them kiss? Make a go of it in this workaday world. I feel like
1: this is a trick question. <laughs> Make a go of it in this workaday world. I mean, if all of their time is going to be dominated by running this store, who else are they going to have time to meet?
2: So you like to see them get together?
1: I, you know, maybe they deserve some happiness if they're running this fucking hellhole, literal hellhole of a store. But making them cousins sort of ruins that ability.
2: Well, they could still get together. It's probably legal up there in Canada where this series was shot. <laughs> <laughs> They do things Are you trying to there. piss
1: off our like two Canadian listeners? What the fuck's wrong with you, Kevin?
2: Get some of those hate listeners.
1: Jesus Christ! It's we have no, it... we have nothing against Canada. Kevin's making bizarre cracks because he. Uh...
2: I know that one of us was making some very angry criticisms of Canada recently, well, and we... I'm pretty sure it wasn't me. Well,
1: that was just because we couldn't get in at the border because <laughs> of your record. One... <laughs> No, it was because we didn't have our molecular tests, so it's fine. Definitely wasn't ranting about Canada or, or anything like that.
2: Well, what I'm seeing here is I'm, I'm doing a little bit of research. It looks like cousins are allowed to marry in Canada.
1: Are cousins allowed to marry in the United States?
2: I've never had reason to look that up.
1: Well, like, maybe you do now. <laughs> Got to figure out what my R- Ryan and Mickey have in store for them. What's the verdict? What's going to happen for Ricky, I almost said Ricky and mine, Ryan and Mickey, are they allowed to get married?
2: Uh, there, are, It depends on what state they're in.
1: There you go, folks. Depends on what state they go to.
2: Uh, here in Indiana, marriage between first cousins is banned with some exceptions. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, perfectly legal in like Florida. California, looks like.
1: There you go. They go on a road trip to get back one of their mysterious objects. Maybe some other things happen. We don't know. We don't know what the series holds. Uh, and I think I'm ready for my five-star final, though. Okay, do it. I would say that Friday the 13th, the series, has a premise with a store full of promise. But I'm glad we're turning a page on Tales of the Undead. And uh, thanks again to Dr. Glenn Doyle for recommending this episode.
2: He didn't recommend the episode.
1: He didn't recommend the episode, but he made the recommendation for this episode. What? He, he rec- you know, he recommended uh, Friday the 13th, the series. Yes. So we appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, if, if anyone, again, if you have a recommendation, shoot us an email. All right. Bye, everyone.
2: Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenlee, who's no relation to me, He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at mysterytome. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram.
2: And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mysterytome podcast at gmail.com.
1: We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out 2 as T-O. Thanks Thanks so much much for listening. listening.